Coming up on the best of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, we catch up with some of the Irish women that will be playing in the AFLW in season 2019 and Women's Operations Manager at the Geelong Football Club, Simone Belez. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the fifth edition of our best of series here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. Don't forget you can also download this program as a podcast by going to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. For our first interview, we're going to go back to the middle of the year where we caught up with Cora Staunton. She, of course, is the Irish Gaelic football superstar that took on playing in the AFLW in 2018 and did very well at the GWS Giants. In our interview with her, she confirmed that she was going to be back for season 2019. I'm good, Peter, now good. Settling back into Ireland, um, home about just under a month now. So, yeah, just getting back back used to Irish weather again and uh, used to a different shape of football. Well, that's certainly something, isn't it? Because uh, you left when it was nice and sunny and 30-odd degrees in Sydney, and I think you may have got back just in time for the beast from the east to blast through. Yeah, yeah. So it's been pretty, pretty poor weather since I came home. Pretty cold. So yeah, getting back to the 10 and, 10 and 11 degrees and um, yeah, the cold weather. But um, yeah, enjoyed my time in Sydney. Had a brilliant time, obviously, with the, the Giants. And um, you know, hopefully looking forward to coming back again um, um, in October and November. What's it like being back at home after playing three months for the GWS Giants? Obviously, for, for where we broadcast from Melbourne, football's always around us. Everyone's always talking about the game. How does it feel for you for being in that spotlight, being obviously around your teammates 24-7, talking and training football, to now returning to Ireland where the game is essentially in the background? Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously strange. Obviously, the first uh, week or two I was back it was strange and probably hard to adapt back into Irish weather and then obviously adapt back into my um, work and life um, again. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm back playing uh, uh, GEA over here now again. So back, I'm still back training and still playing sports. So, you know, just back with a different team. But, you know, obviously I miss um, all the girls in Australia um, but I'm still in contact with them on a regular basis and, and still in contact with the club there as well, um, with Al and with Nick and a few others. So, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's probably been a little bit more difficult than I thought, but, you know, obviously good to be home and see family and friends. But, um, you know, obviously missed the, missed the full-time training and, and missed the girls. But, you know, I'm, 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 still, I'm still trying to uh, keep my skills up here and, and practice with the, with the sharing ball over here. So, you know, it's, yeah, it, it has been the difficult transition back. But, you know, um, nearly a month in now, I'm, I'm kind of settled back in again at home. Just to give everyone an idea, besides obviously moving yourself physically over to Australia to base yourself for several months to play in the AFLW, what did you have to leave behind in Ireland when it came to either study or career and then obviously having to pick that back up again once you got back home? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, kick over here. Um, our sport is um, completely amateur, so we we train most of the time in the evenings, um, and then obviously with the weekends we train in the morning. So. Between both club and county, you represent both over here. Um, so we, we'd be training maybe five or six times a week. Um, so obviously, uh, on top of that, I work a, a nine-to-five job here with the health service. I, I'm involved in health promotion. Um, so I work with a, an ethnic group um, called the Traveller Community. So that's most of that is office space. So I'm, you know, nine-to-five, and usually then you're home for an hour, and then you're back out training. So your, your days are quite hectic. Um, so obviously I'm lucky. I'm not married. I don't have any family. Um, you know, just my own. Um, obviously niece and nephews, and, and my dad is still alive. And and you know, um, 
brothers and sisters and obviously a lot of friends from, from sports and my teammates from over here that's what you, you kind of left behind but um, you know with the way modern technology is you're always in contact with them when they're in Australia and I was lucky enough I lived with my brother and his wife and, and their two little boys in Australia so I had family over there which, which made the transition coming from Ireland over to Sydney a lot easier Talking about making that transition, you obviously are known as a legend of Gaelic football. Did you find that you'd had increased media coverage here compared to being in Ireland? And once you've got back, has it gone up another gear again? Because essentially, uh, with respect to Laura Jurea, you're the first one that's a known star of Gaelic football to make the crossover. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I, I think, the, you know, the biggest um, thing for me was the, the the amount of media coverage, both in Australia and Ireland, um, that I got, um, especially in Australia, I suppose. But at home, um, you know, every every one of my matches was reported on the on the 6 or the 9 o'clock news at home. And, you know, it was all over social media. And, you know, but when, when I came home, people are still welcoming me home and, you know, still talking about asking how I got on. And, you know, there's huge interest here. Um, you know, there's huge interest since I came back. Even, you know, I've been around to a couple of our schools here and doing a bit of AFL coaching um, in the schools. People just want to learn about the game. So, yeah, no, it's been huge. And obviously in Australia, there was, you know, um, especially when we got into the, the matches and into the rounds, there was, there was a lot of media coverage, all right, um, obviously coming from Ireland and um, having played uh, GEA over here for, for many years. Yeah, there, there's, there's been a lot. And since I came home, yeah, you know, I, I've ha- ha- been in, in demand to do a lot of different things but you know I'm well used to that and you know I'm glad that I can come home and, and, and promote um, AFL over here and you know p- promote the club um, the GWS Giants and, and tell everyone how good they are and you know what a remarkable club they are and how good they have been to me Is there an additional pressure on you for that that you feel like an ambassador as you go back to Ireland because people are asking you wanting to know about what not only the personal experience was like, but obviously, as we've heard reports that Sarah Rowe might be looking at uh, coming down and playing in Melbourne for the season 2019, do you find women reaching out to you from Gaelic football wanting to put their toe in the water and consider AFLW? Uh, yeah, you know, you obviously have plenty of people, obviously teammates and plenty of people that you meet asking you about your experience and want to know. I suppose it's, it's been well documented, as I said, in, in, in papers. I've done a lot of interviews uh, for media over here while I was in Australia. So it's been, you know, well um, promoted and people know what my experience has been like. Um, yeah, and obviously for other GEA players, maybe that might get the opportunity to, to go to Australia and then... And, and play the play AFL, you know that's probably going to happen. But like, you know, I don't think obviously the Ladies Football Association over here have anything to worry. I, I do see a few people coming across the game, but they're not going to lose, you know, too many people um, to AFL because, it, you know, to me, it, it, while there's a lot of similarities in the sport, that was the biggest thing when I come over. I, I, I thought the game would be a lot more similar, which it's not, you know. It was a huge learning curve for me in, in, in terms of the skills and everything and the physicality. Obviously, our game at home is a non-contact sport. And then the education around the game, you know, to learn all of that was probably the biggest challenge for me. And, you know, you had to spend a lot of ta- extra time on the training pitch, but you also had to spend a lot of extra time in the classroom learning all the rules and, you know, systems of play and, and how, how the structures that the, the manager wanted to play. So all of that has been difficult. And even now, um, while we're on off season, I'm trying to learn a lot of that, and I, I've been watching a lot of the AFL men's games at the weekend here. You know, just just to, to get my education around the game up, and you know, to learn a lot of things from that. 
And you talk about that education. I recall a line that uh, you wrote in the Sports Chronicle where you were talking about Alan McConnell, the coach of the GWS Giants, and he said that um, uh, he has forced me to think differently as a footballer, which helps me as I'm playing into your game and hope to keep doing so. How difficult is that? I mean, once we get to our mid-30s to late-30s in life, whether it be sport, whether it be work or anything that we do in life, we kind of almost fall into a habit of we like to do things the way we're familiar to doing things. How much did that challenge you and and how much how difficult was it for something that you've been doing a certain way for 15, 20 years or more to change that? Yeah, it probably was difficult at the start, but, but I think when you have, uh, if you're a sports person, um, you know, sometimes, you, you know, playing, playing a sport at the top level for as long as I am, have been doing in Ireland you know sometimes maybe you get a little bit stale and you know exactly what you're doing and, and you know you're you're trying to learn something new every day when you go out on the pitch and train or in a match but you know it doesn't always happen so obviously you know coming to Australia and, and playing AFL it's been a huge challenge but it's also been a huge fresh freshness as well and you know it's been something as a sports person I'm trying to you know I'm coming and learning the game from you know scratch and not knowing Anton and it's been a challenge personally for me to try and get better each session that I do, whether it's a team session or it was a training session with Al, or as I said, if it was an education session, I'm trying to learn something new all the time. And I absolutely love that challenge of, you know, trying to make myself better. I suppose here in Ireland, I've been very well known and, you know, you know, been at the top of my game for quite a long time. So from being going, you know, from the top of your game in one sport to being, you know, to the bottom of of, of a game in another sport and not known it has been a massive change, but it, it's been brilliant. And, you know, it's made me think outside the box, you know, um, in a lot of things that I'm doing now. Um, you know, at home, I do a lot of coaching as well and involved in coaching and I love it. So from that point of view, I, I, I you know, that helps me as well. And as I said, having someone like Al in the club was brilliant. And, you know, he, he, you know, he spent so much extra time with me trying to get me to learn the game and get my skills up. And, you know, I can't thank him enough and also um, Nick Walsh from Ireland as well. You know, they spent a lot of extra time with me and the challenge was brilliant and, and, and it's made me a fresher person as a sports person and even coming back, bringing a lot of that stuff to, to, do, to GEA. And talking about bringing that stuff back home, we, we saw in a, a couple of photos online of you teaching some kids out at Rabine, trying to teach them the game of Aussie rules. Uh, how much have you um, divested your time since you've got back in Ireland to teaching those, whether it be kids or women your age, to, to pick up the oval-shaped ball and give the game a go? Yeah, I suppose you're like, you know, when, when um, schools like that ask you, you know, um, I think that was as part of their active week here at home. Um, so when schools like that ask you to come in, you know, I've been asked by a lot of clubs and stuff to over the years to come in and to do either GA sessions and now maybe an AFL session or to come in and do talks or whatever. And, you know, when any school, whether it's a primary school or a secondary school, come in ask me to do that, I try, I try to do it. And, um, even as of last week, was in another school giving a talk, and they wanted to know my experience in Australia. So yeah, no, I love doing that. I, lo- I love coaching kids and um, trying to get you know get them active and you know trying to encourage them to go down the route of sport because you know sport has given me so much. Whether it's been GEA or now AFL, it's, you know I've had huge opportunities from sport, and you know young people growing up now need that nowadays. And I want to whether it's girls or boys, you know you want to see them do well and have sport in their life because it teaches them so many different. Um, valuable traits whether you know it's you know leadership or friendship or communication whatever it is you want them to be part of team sport and you know and um, that's all I'm trying to do encourage them to be part of the sport and, and, and maybe inspire them a little bit. 
Now, we've had several times on the show this year and through our previous years, representatives from the Australian Rules Football League, Ireland, because they've got a Women's Super 7 competition that's running on and a national team, the Irish Banshees. Um, have they reached out to you at all? Have you worked with them either on a coaching basis, playing basis, or just a speaking basis with the Australian Rules Football League, Ireland? Yeah, I, I have had a couple of couple of contacts for them. Yeah, they've, they've been very helpful even before I went out offering, you know, just to do a couple of skill sessions with me. And yeah, they, they have, since I've came back, they've been on to me. They had a tournament there in Dublin just when I came back. But unfortunately, with, with club football here, we, we had a game, so I couldn't make it. But yeah, I hope I, I hope to uh, meet up with them in Dublin and maybe play a few few games there. And I think there's a, a competition in October that they'd like to me to play in. So. If it doesn't clash with, with my uh, club scene, club scene over here, I'll, I'll certainly give it a go. Um, but yeah, as I said, I, I'm, I'm still practicing here at home away. Obviously, with skills, I need to be doing them while, while I'm here. Obviously, fitness work and, and everything else will, will come through GDA. But you know, I need to be. You know, uh, the club sent a good few footballs home with me when I was when I was leaving in um, April. So I'm lucky enough. We've an Irish guy that was playing with the Brisbane Lions, Keane Hanley, and um, who, who returned home. Um, earlier this year um, from Brisbane his brother Pierce is playing with the Gold Coast so Keane um, actually lives um, not far from me here in, in Castlebar um, so yeah Keane will be taking me for um, some extra kicking sessions so that's brilliant to have someone of his calibre that will help me with my skill sessions So look out Corus Dorton possibly a future Irish Banshee for the Euro Cup coming up in October which is fantastic to see um, as you by the sound of it look like you'll be running around again 2019 another season for the GWS Giants in your exit interview with Alan McConnell what's some of the things he said he would like you to focus on specifically over these months leading up to the next season yeah obviously um, you know exit interviews and all that was quite new to me we, we wouldn't do them here at home in the GEA yeah so you know my exit interview I was obviously very positive and you know they were happy with everything you know both on and off the field um, and what, I, what I've done um, at the GWS Giants but I suppose the main thing you know obviously when, when you get a bit older the main thing is to concentrate go back and you know play um football here at home and you know keep yourself fit and ticking over I suppose for me the most important thing is you know that I get plenty of rest and recovery you know I suppose I came over to Australia after a very long football season so I, I was probably going 18 or 19 months on the on the go without a break so yeah I, I've came home and you know I, I'm still still playing football here at home and, and trying to keep myself in good shape but it's just probably to rest the body a bit and, and you know maybe just concentrate working a little bit on the skills and get out kicking kicking as much as I can and with the over ball and just keep practicing. But, you know, Al is happy. You know, I've been doing this for the last, you know, 20, 20, 20 plus years at home just to keep myself ticking over and, you know, not to overdo it, I suppose, and try and come back as, as fresh as I can um, to the Giants in a couple of months' time. You know, that's the main thing. But, you know, overall, our exit interview was very positive and, you know, the season for the Giants probably finished disappointingly, but, you know, there's a great group there and we hope to build on that for next year. And, you know, I hope to, you know, play a, a big part in that. And just a couple of things just to pick up on uh, very quickly that uh, occurred during the season that people want to know the result of. Uh, first of all, that game against Collingwood, that famous photo of you afterwards with Sonia O'Sullivan, you had the old nose taped up after it got given a bit of a touch-up. Um, how has the nose has it been officially fixed if you had the surgery done for it? And what was the diagnosis? Was it actually yeah. broken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely broken, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so I had the surgery um, at the end of the season. I had the surgery before I came home from Australia. So I had the surgery maybe about five, six weeks ago. Yeah, so it's, it's all fine. I, as I said, I've played a couple of football games here at home. So, yeah, no, it's perfect again. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was badly broken. Um, so it's straight into the moment because I couldn't breathe through it. But yeah, in, in time again, um, when I retire from all sports, um, another nose operation will need to f- to fix it fully. But for the moment, yeah, it, it's looking it looking a lot better than it was um, in that photo with Sonia surely. And finally, we believe you had a documentary crew following you around while you were here in Australia, obviously recording your every move and how you went adapting to the game of Australian rules football. Uh, Do we have an idea when that vision is going to be out, um, essentially your time over here in Oz? Yeah, um, yeah. So we're, they're they're hoping there's no official launch date yet, but it'll be sometime in September, probably mid to in September. It'll be um, on the on the TV stations here in Ireland. So yeah, sometime mid September to late September that they're hoping that it'll be released. And we're certainly looking forward to that. Cora, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best throughout your Gaelic season back home in Ireland, and we look forward to seeing you running around again for the GWS Giants in 2019. No problem, Rob. Pleasure. Our next three interviews come up with some Irish women who took part in the Crosscoders program in September and ended up being taken as either rookies or via the draft to the Adelaide Crows, GWS Giants and Western Bulldogs. Just joining us now is Yvonne Bonner. Yvonne, 31 years old, you're on the other side of the world. What are you doing in Australia? Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, um delighted to be here just um came out for a new experience you know it's nice to get away from that winter back home so um try out this and hopefully get picked up maybe and have a new experience out here then star gallic football at donegal so what made you want to sign up for the cross coders program yeah so um I heard about it and um, I thought it would be a great idea. Um, I've been in Australia before, so I says, you know, why not get away for the winter, have a new challenge. Um, that professionalism as well that's in the AFL, the women's AFL now, so um, I says, why not? You know, it's kind of similar to Gaelic as well, so I thought that the skill sets I have could transpire back into the AFL, like so. Yeah. On that point, obviously, Laura Jure had been out here for many years and, of course, Cora Stoughton, who came out last year. Had there been much talk within the ladies' Gaelic football, within the circles, within the players, of maybe we should have a look at this AFLW and have a go? Yeah, um, I never really thought about it before, like, but it just happened to be whenever... Um, do you know, I hear about the cross-coders, I'd say, why not? Um, when I heard about Cora, obviously then, the documentary was shown mm. back home, so it really gave you a good insight. You can kind of guess, you never really know how what it's like, but seeing that documentary and just like seeing the professionalism, I just thought it'd be a great opportunity, I think, to have a go. Has there been a real boon for women's sport at the moment in Ireland? Obviously, we've seen the women's Irish rugby team. We've seen the Irish hockey side make the World Cup final uh, recently to a sellout crowd as well. What's the atmosphere been like around women's sport? Yeah, it's it's growing all the time back home. Like you saw the record-breaking attendance, um, even in the All Ireland final again, was forty-seven thousand last year. So it went up again to fifty thousand in Crow Park there just about a week ago, two weeks ago before we came out here. So um, it's growing the hockey as well. Like you says, you know, it's been ranked so low, like, and then going over there and just you know, they've got the passion. They don't need anything else. They've got the drive and they just want to play sports. So it's just it's it's great to see them doing well. We'll walk and talk while we've got it so you can go and talk because I know you're freezing cold, but you've had to come down the Bulldogs, the GWS Giants and the Adelaide Crows have all made presentations so far. What have your thoughts been on those presentations to you about them looking at possibly recruiting you to their club? 
Yeah, it's exciting um, seeing all the different um, clubs and what they can give to us if you got selected. Um, just the professionalism, as I said before, like um, it's really exciting. Every club shows different um, values, so I suppose it's just what club is right for you and what club wants you, I suppose, at the end of the day. What did you think of the combine testing on Monday night? The 20 metre sprints, agility tests, vertical leaps, etc. Personally, how do you think you went? Yeah, I did. I was happy enough with the testing. Um, I suppose um, speed, I've always kind of tried to improve it. Like um, the kicking, I suppose it's just something new as well with that shape ball. It's hard to know whether to kick it like they wanted or kick it for distance, you know, in the distance test. But, um, you know, we're kind of used to that as well. Like in Gaelic football, it's, um, you know, it's really getting professional back home as well. So you're getting tested like that there and your physical testing, your speed and all that there. So it it's, wasn't too new to me, so um, that was good. You don't have as much fear, I suppose, then. Tonight, a few comments on the uh, boundary line, particularly from those that are involved in AFLW or VFLW class, was the speed of the game. Were you surprised by how quick it was tonight? Yeah, um, that's the first game I ever played now. So at, at every quarter, I suppose, it um, took us a while to get into it. But, yeah, there's some speedy girls out there in the Irish camp. So, um, yeah, it was, it was high pace. You've only been together for two or three days. Are you surprised by how well that you gelled? Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said, like we kind of used to playing, you know, that way like with the Gaelic so we clicked and you know kind of telepathic I suppose like but um, it was good like to play along with such high standard players as well played centre half four tonight kicked a few goals do you envisage yourself playing that position should you be picked up yeah I'm happy to play whatever position they see me being successful so um, I'm not too sure what positions but yeah I like kicking goals anyway (laughs) and just finally uh, you were at Etihad Stadium on Sunday you got to see the VFL Women's Grand Final which is just the level under AFLW what did you make of that game and the structures and how they set up compared to obviously for what you're used to playing in Gaelic yeah it's very different I suppose Um, do you know like they move it down the wings and it's everybody kind of rushes to the one side like where they may not use the spaces as much as we do in Gaelic but um, yeah it's hard to know how you would play it when you're looking at a game whereas like so um, yeah um, but there was very good standard as well even in that lower level so I'm sure that it'd be amazing to see a proper like high standard game Yvonne thanks very much for your time and best of luck trying to get that contract yeah thank you very much joined by uh, Ashling McCarthy Ashley. How does it feel, first of all, to be out on the other side of the world? Uh, yeah, it's my first time out here, so um, it's good to, I suppose, get to travel this far and experience a different culture and the football out here. So um, it's a great experience for all of us, and um, we're all delighted to be out here and immersed in the football world out here, so it's great. What made you want to sign up for the Crosscoders program and give Aussie rules a go? Um, well, I suppose we're, there's like 11 of us coming out from Ireland, and we're all playing at the highest level at home, mm. and I suppose it's obviously not a professional setup and I think the AFL really sells itself well um, over in Ireland with the professionalism and the high standards it set so I suppose it's just very attractive that you will get the opportunities and no stone will be unturned to become the best athlete I suppose you can become and I think a lot of our skills from Gaelic football are very transferable um, to the game I suppose you could see that tonight that a lot of the Irish girls probably um, felt a bit at home there tonight Um, I think we really put it up to the to the Aussie girls so 
um, it was just a great experience overall. Are you even surprised by that? I mean, you're taking on uh, a, a bunch of Victorian girls, a bunch of Victorian amateur footballers, but to win comprehensively in a scratch match, your first time together, 6-8-44 to just five behinds, that's a comprehensive victory. Yeah, I suppose um, we're probably a bit surprised, but look, um, as I said, a lot of the skills that we have at home are very transferable and we're playing at the highest standard we can at home. Like, we're one of the best kind of crop of athletes coming from our sport. So, um, like, we've all turned our hand to different sports over the years as well. So I suppose it was just a new challenge, but, um, like, there's great players like Yvonne. Bonner was scoring goals galore there tonight yeah. so like she's unbelievable back home playing for Donegal as well so that was no surprise um, and I think that we all just settled in nicely I suppose probably a bit apprehensive at the start we didn't really know what to ex- expect but sure the first few hits and kicks um, we kind of uh, settled ourselves into it so that was good. How would you assess your own performance, not only tonight, but also at the combine when you were doing the testing on Monday? Um, yeah, I suppose we kind of be a bit used to kind of getting tested in college football. Um, we kind of go through tests like that. Um, I suppose the standard is very high, so um, like a lot of your scores um, are against like great athletes. So like you kind of have to like know that's that that's some you're not going to score the highest in some of them. Do you know we're, we're all. Um, quite good athletes and things like that um, and then just the combine yeah the skills I suppose um, our kicking is only getting better so I suppose day one doing the kicking tests was tough and um, we've got better each day so um, uh, that's good but like no we'd be kind of used to that kind of setup at home so like there was no real surprises um, but no it was nice to get out here tonight now. And finally if given the opportunity to play in the AFL and yeah. where do you see yourself where do you see your role on the ground? Um, well, I suppose I played kind of midfield there tonight and I got on a bit of ball. So I don't know um, if I'm lucky enough, I'll be put wherever I'm needed. But um, no, I suppose at home I play kind of half forward midfield. So that'd be kind of what I'm used to. Um, but look, I don't mind if I'm lucky enough to get picked up this week. Um, I'll try my best to settle into a team and sure you'll only get played by merit. So um, that's obviously something that you're going to have to know you're coming into a professional setup. There's AFL players playing for the past few years, so you're going to be a small fish in a big pond, really. But um, I think any of the girls that do get contracts this weekend, um, they're really going to excel in their role. So that's really exciting. Joining us now is 26 Irish National in Ailish Considine. Ailish, first of all, welcome to Melbourne. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How does it feel, just quickly, to be on the other side of the world um, looking to play semi-professional AFL women's football. It's it's mad. It's unbelievable. Um, we're trying to um, actually realise this is actually happening because it's it's just some experience to be here. It's something you would never have thought of six months ago. Let's rewind back a bit to your junior days and uh, you know, obviously going through high school. What were the sporting opportunities like for women back then in Ireland? Um, on the professional front... Zero. There was absolutely nothing. Um, in Ireland, the amateur sport would have been there between the Gaelic football and Camogie would have been the main sports. You'd have a bit of soccer, a little bit of rugby, but professional-wise, there was absolutely no opportunities. So this is just insane to think that you could be getting a professional contract and playing professionally. It's it's amazing. Now, I believe you play Gaelic football with Clare in Ulster. Um, is it Kilmahill Camogie? And uh, obviously, West Clare, West Clare ways in the uh, Irish AFL. But before we talk about the AFL, 
Talk about your skills from Kamoji and Gaelic football, and how do you think they translate across to Aussie rules? Um, I think in anyway in football, you're, you're looking at the handling of the ball and you're looking at kicking would be major um, assets to this game as well, and especially the movement of how we play. Like we're always attacking a goal, and we're, we've 360 movement like they have in this game as well, which is very similar. Um, and you're also like evading tackles and your agility, all that kind of thing is all needed. So I think they're very similar games. And then with the Kamoe, you'd have the hand-eye coordination. And then you'd, again, you'd have the similar attributes of attacking, defending, scoring, everything and the movement. So I think the two games are actually very well linked to the AFL um, sport. So it's... It's a good transfer over. The, the one thing they talk about with both Irishmen and Irishwomen, particularly with Gaelic, they talk about the athleticism. So can you give us a bit of an insight to the training that you do through the year to prepare yourself for Gaelic football? Yeah, for a county and our season will probably start in November. That would be our pre-season. And then you would be talking about playing a league in from February till April and then championship then June till September. So you do a lot of um, pre-season training. It would be based in the gym, a lot of running, a lot of conditioning. That would be all done in between November, December, January. And then you'd be looking at playing games. You'd have maybe three or four training sessions a week with matches at the weekends. And you'd have about two or three gym sessions as well. So you'd be you'd be always training. It's like a full-time, you are pretty much a full-time athlete, but you're just not getting paid for it. When did your eyes start to turn towards playing Australian rules football? Um, I only kind of picked it up um, back in November um, last year. So it was kind of just new. It was just a new sport that was coming into Ireland. And um, it interested me because it was a similar game to the football. It had the best attributes of football. And it was also kind of with the tackling as well. You kind of had the best of rugby as well. So you kind of had the best of two sports combined into one. And it was just something new. It was just a new challenge. So... um, when Mike kind of introduced it, it was kind of, yeah, definitely just give it a go and see see how it is for a bit of fun. And how do you describe that experience playing with the West Clare Waves in the uh, R-Fly Sevens competition as it was then? Yeah, um, it was it was a new experience altogether because the oval ball was very funny to get used to when you're used to a round yeah. ball. Not, I don't think one of us tried to even bounce it because it was just it would never come yeah. back up. But um, it was just nice to have a new challenge and a new sport to, you know, dig into at that time of year because you're kind of a little bit off season. So it was something something new to do and obviously fell in love with it straight away. So it was uh, nice playing with the girls that you knew. And that begs the question, why did you want to fly halfway across the world to say, I want to give this sport a go? It's semi-professional, so we're not full-timers yeah. yet, but still to co- commit a certain amount of your year to playing this game. Um, because the game is so similar to football, um, it's kind of you get to play a sport which is almost like the sport you love and you get to be a professional athlete and at the end of the day when you're playing sport and you're you're playing county at home the dream is to be a professional athlete and to be not even just paid as one but just to be treated as one and just to see the experience of how the professionals live in this and in the sporting manner so it was just an opportunity you couldn't turn down as a sports person. Now, as a group, uh, being on Sunday, you went to the VFLW Grand Final and got, mm-hmm. got to watch that. What did you pick up for being able to watch the 18-a-side game in person? Yeah, it's um, it's a big field. That was the first time I actually seen the field itself. So it was a, yeah. it was a big change from a GA field. And just... Um, it was interesting to see the style of gameplay because it would have been very different to to our sport in the sense that we play a lot of lateral plays, whereas in we saw on um, at the game it was very much you stick and you go straight down the field, up down, up down. So it was just 
it was nice to see it live and to see the different movement patterns of players and different plays. So it was it was a good experience. Now, on the Monday, you went through a variety of combine testing, testing for high, BMI, vertical jump, 20-metre sprint, etc. Have you been put through any type of that training in the past in the sports of, of Gaelic and Kamoji, etc., when you were back yeah. home? To be fair, we, we actually have, between college and county, you would, you, would ha- you would have a little bit of testing that would go on between sprinting and all that kind of thing. But just collectively, it was, it was nice to put it all together in one... Um, one full thing so it was yeah we've, we've done a bit bits and pieces but just not all together as, as that Finally before we let you go if they were to recruit you as a footballer A what ideal city would you like to go to and B what role do you see yourself playing in a team Ideal city um, to be fair I actually didn't have much of a choice coming over I was kind of just anywhere whoever would take <laughs> me I'd go but um, probably Sydney because yeah. you just hear about Sydney from people that have been visited or whatever and my sister was there for a while and she loved it so Sydney was probably a preference but to be fair I'm open to anywhere um, as a positional wise in the game um, probably anywhere around the forwards somewhere around there that's what I'm used to so yeah well, well thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football Radio we wish you all the very best to the remainder of the combine and uh, fingers crossed that hopefully you'll have that AFLW contract hopefully thanks very much Our final interview for this week dates back to the second last round of the VFLW competition prior to the match between the Casey Demons and Geelong Cats at Casey Fields. We caught up with Women's Operations Manager at the Geelong Football Club, Simone Ballers, talking about things leading into the game and how they were building for AFLW 2019. What's the season been like? A little bit different to last year, I'm assuming, given that obviously last year it was all new and building. And But this year you've had the temptation of going for the flag because you've got such a solid group, but also the AFLW program. Yeah, it has been a really big transition year for us. And um, Hoodie was saying just the other day, in our two years, we've actually played 55 different players. So to this day, so it it feels like a new team still. It definitely still has that newness to it. Um, Yeah, look, the girls in our team have really different motivations for playing. And as you know, we've signed um, 13 players so far to our AFLW list. Uh, Today we're playing three of the young TAC Cup um, superstars that are coming through the competition and will be in the draft. So it is a really mixed team for us. Um, And this season has been one of fun absolutely um one of adventure things like traveling to the nt for the victorian football league women's (laughs) competition um and uh yeah look i think everyone's really enjoyed it and um having that foundation of players who played last year to lead the team through has been fantastic um corny stevens is returning after broken finger um, do you know, how is she feeling about coming back into the mix just before finals time? Court is such a cool cat. I just said to her on the bus before, Court, you must be so excited. She, she said, I don't get excited and I don't get nervous. So she's, <laughs> she's a pretty straight shooter. Um, yeah, but big task for her to come back in so close to the finals. We're wrapped to have her back. So this is her opportunity today and it's really good to have her back in the side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking a little further ahead to the future, Simone, um, obviously going into the AFLW in 2019, we're a month and a bit away from uh, the first ever draft. What's it been like for you in the past months, going right back to the start of the TAC Cup girls, of the amount of football you've got to watch, interviews you conduct, etc. 
as you sit there with the first two draft picks, knowing that the fate is in your hand out of the best two footballers that you want first up? Jeez, no pressure, Pete. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we have a really capable team um, leading the recruiting charge. So Ben Waller from our football team, who's been with the club for, for years now, uh, has taken on the challenge of our recruitment for the women's mm. team. Um, he's mentored, of course, by the one and only Stephen Wells, so it's yeah. great to have him in our camp. We've got a 8 o'clock meeting tomorrow morning, as you know, um, August, the end of August is the cutoff for open age signings. So we've got a little bit of work that we can consider in, in just even the next couple of weeks. Which Me is and Ray exciting. Clifford. <coughs> <laughs> I think that's my question. <laughs> so there's a few names. There's, you know, there's, yeah. we're, we're lucky. There's, a, there's quite a few um, players in our side who, you know, they understand the Geelong way already. It's a good problem to have that we've got a lot of good VFLW players at the moment. And can I just ask a question following up on that first two draft picks? Obviously you can't tell us who they are, but when it comes to, say, a short list for those first two, obviously you're going to have more than two because, heaven forbid, an injury happens or something like that. How many names essentially come to that short list that you'll be seriously looking at? Yeah, so, well, you you guys know we're, our, our commitment is around the talent in our region and developing that talent. So um, we look closely at the Falcons, first of all, mm. and uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a process. It's a, it's a list. It's probably a dozen or so deep, and it mm. just is a, a moving list that after those two picks, let's see who goes to who else and then, you know, where we can slot in the next pick. So it, there's a lot of maths behind it. They're, um, it's quite a science and uh, they're doing their due diligence at the moment to make sure they understand the character of those players and who's going to fit well into our team and um, our dynamics at Geelong. What's the objective for the first year of the AFLW for the Geelong Cats? Is it to push to be successful because you've got a lot of stars that are entering the club as well uh, next year? Is it that push or is it to slowly or that continue the build as we've seen throughout the VFLW program? Yeah, so Cookie coined it very early on for us as a club when I said, what's success going to look like at a board meeting once? And he said, he sees it as the three Ps and the most important one for us at the moment is popularity. So let's take on that responsibility really seriously for our region. Let's build the popularity of the game. Let's fill the GMHVA stadium for let's hope around one clash down in Geelong. Um, so we take that part pretty seriously. And then the other two Ps are profits and premierships. So if you ask the football department, we're after that premiership. And if you ask probably the finance team, they'd rather see us making some profits. Um, look, for us, AFLW is a movement. We're a competitive bunch, but um, no doubt our, our thing is about growing the profile of the girls that are going to be in our team, um, creating a bit of hope and inspiring the next generation of footballers down in the Barwon region to have a go. It's such a, it's such a tangible dream. You could be playing footy now as a 17-year-old or 16-year-old and in a couple of years' time you could be playing AFLW. So I think for us it's that. It's really that promotion of that dream and using 2019 as that pathway for young girls in the future. Are you hoping with that dream that the AFL gets their act together with the, um, you know, the, the way they want to shorten the season and then maybe put all different finals and things? How, how do you guys feel about that when you're coming into it? 
Yeah, look, uh, we we talk to the AFL quite regularly and we do understand their challenge and, you know, we we know there's many layers to the decision that they will end up making. Of course, we would want as many games as possible. Um, I think for us that our focus is on how many home games we're going to get. So we'd love to get at least four home games, as much opportunity as we can to have our players playing in front of our fans, uh, I think will really help us in the future. So, yeah, look, it's it's going to be a, a tough ask for them, but it's, you know, the beginnings of an amazing competition for the rest of our lives, hopefully. Yeah, so hope let's so let's get there. Let's get beyond these <laughs> very low games that we're talking about at the moment. You, you talked about obviously hoping to pack out GMHBA Stadium, hopefully under lights. It's got the great facilities there. If they do give you more than three home games, so it's four or five, what it works out to be, has there been talk of, I guess, going to places such as Colac or Warrnambool where the men in the past have played JLT Community Series games down there? Yeah, look, I think it's an option. Um, given the AFL at the moment are the ones who cover the costs for the mm. matches, um, it's a decision that will sit with them. Um, I think, you know, Geelong as a club has always been really supportive to play in the region and take the team out to play in other mm. venues. And AFLW in its first couple of seasons has been really great for that. And it's it's had that fantastic feel of going to community football and festivals. The games at the Bulldogs at Whitnoval, they were just fantastic games yeah. to go to. So we're hoping to be able to recreate that at GMHPA Stadium. And if we end up in Colac, their new facilities are fantastic as well. So we'd be very happy to play down in Colac or somewhere like that. I want to ask about two players selected to play today. One of them is the 23rd, Olivia Purcell. I believe she's on the radar in terms of uh, her talent. But the other one is the player that Pete mentioned before, Mia Ray Clifford. Such a a veteran of women's football, played a year at the D's, uh, has been a legend of the St Kilda Sharks. What's it meant to have her come into the Geelong Cats side this year for the VFLW program and have an impact? Yeah, Mia... um her commitment to coming to our club has been extraordinary. I mean, she lives on the other side of Melbourne and she comes down for training and she comes down for games, obviously. And uh, to have her and her passion at the club has just been infectious. So um, she's a fantastic addition to the team. Uh, I hope she's around wearing the blue and white hoops for quite a while yet. But um, she's a fantastic player. And then you take Liv Purcell at the complete other end of the spectrum, you know, new, coming into the game as a new superstar, as you mentioned, will feature really highly in the draft, no doubt. Um, it's a pleasure to be able to have a, a model that the VFLW allows you to bring those 23rd players in, give them a chance to experience um, this level of football. And they, the girls will comment, you know, it is, it's another step up, just the preparation for games and, and the environment they're in at training, just another uh, step up again from the TAC Cup. So it's great for them to get a chance to experience that before they're actually involved in a full season. And another player we get to see today uh, that we haven't seen for a long time who's come back from the ACL has been Jordan Ivey. Have you seen her football progress since having that 15-month break? Yeah, she's come back with a bang, we think. She's, um, Jordy's doing really well. Um, she's has played every game since, uh, I think, last week. She was out just having a, just a bit of rest, making sure hopefully we're right for the finals campaign we're crossing our fingers we're in um so no geordie's great she's her resilience has been amazing she has had a really long journey to get back and um she's such an important part of the team in terms of its emotional heart and uh, she's a player that all the girls love to get around so it's really great to have her actually back out on the ground I know you want to think about today, but not the get to next week but if you do win today against casey you're locked into the finals you play Hawthorne, who you may cross paths with in the finals. 
And there's also to throw in the complexity of a competition buy between the last round and, and when the finals begin. So how do you approach that last game that may be a potential rubber where in one stage you, you kind of want to rest players but not rest them too much because of that buy. And in another way, you don't want to show your opponents too much who you may cross paths with in the preliminary final or grand final. Yeah, I think it's going to, it, it is a really interesting um yeah, the way it's playing out now. Um, and we've also got uh, Phoebe McWilliams playing for Box Hill, who, of course, we've signed yeah. for AFLW. So um, they're strange games to be involved in. The preparation towards finals and who's in and out, even even the point system and how that plays out mm. for us as a side, um, there's a lot for Hoodie and his team to think about going into that game. And it will be really interesting to see the side they put on the field against Box Hill next weekend. How lucky are you to have someone like Paul Hood? at the top of the tree that is guiding this group because uh, from when we've encountered him in the past and spoken to him, he's incredibly passionate but also very methodical and very structured. He is. He's um, he's so patient, Hoodie. <laughs> he's, um, he's absolutely perfect to coach our team at the moment. He's got two young girls himself and I quite often joke with him and say, you know, he, it's his dad qualities that come through, his patience. But um, Hoodie's an excellent teacher and as you said, his strategy behind the game, it, it's quite... It's quite technical, but the way he's able to communicate that and get what he needs out of the team has been amazing, and we're really lucky. We, we were wrapped to sign him for AFLW. We're also wrapped to have um, Natalie Wood almost second in charge in our VFLW coaching panel, and just what she brings, her experience and the depth of her knowledge in women's football in particular, they make a really great team. Is there the probability that with Paul coaching the AFLW side that Natalie may take over VFLW next year? Oh, it sounds good to me. I, I certainly <laughs> would be happy with that scenario. It's um, yeah, it's another commitment from us to really continue those coaching pathways for good females, and we hear it all the time in the competition, but um, I think that if we could get Nat um, involved and in staying in the club, VFLW, AFLW, AFL even, you know, there's that's the other great thing about Geelong because our coaching where they sit and everything in the club is completely integrated. There's every opportunity for her to extend her career into other areas of the club as well. So, yeah, great addition to the Geelong team. And based upon that, like the likes of George Seawood, who we've spoken to since day one that he's been here with the Cats, how many of that staff do you envisage that's been there since day one of VFLW that will transfer to be the behind-the-scenes staff for AFLW? Yeah, I think I think quite a lot, Pete. Um, it's, a, it's a good formula. We're happy with the, the structure that we already have set up for the VFLW. And in the past, you know, people have probably said, geez, it's a, it's a pretty big team down at Geelong running a VFLW side so we, we know we're probably over-serviced in a little bit in terms of VFLW and but I think in terms of pre- preparing for AFLW that's going to be where it's great and most of those staff will stay involved in both programs. I think uh, over-servicing is putting it kindly because I think the Cats are one of the most professional outfits in the VFLW but what's on the back of that, what have you taken out of the first two years of AFLW speaking to the clubs that are involved this year most of them have a VFLW side. You've been able just to take it all in. What's the two or three major things that you've noticed that you're taking action on? Yeah, so I think one of those things is the fact that we've already set standards quite high. So it's not so much about what we put in place for AFLW. It's about how we... Um, 
reassess where VFLW sits in terms of the support squad around that main list. Um, so there's that. For the broader club, there's that issue around staffing, and you've heard it all before for, um, you know, clubs that have just had staff complete burnout. It's a, it's a really tricky challenge to manage, to just go straight from the men's season into a women's season and do it well. So the staffing continues to be something that we have to work through. Um, I've just said we're going to have, you know, hopefully most of the staff stay in this program. So it's a, it's a matter of finding when do they rest, when do they have some downtime and how do we do that. Um, so I think they're the two biggest challenges the club has to face. Um, and then, you know, the expectations of for us, we've had um, this team, this VFLW team, who has really loved in Geelong. We've got 900 pioneer women members, so they're supporting our female team already. Um, so, you know, that transition for some players that will continue to be a really big part of Geelong and our family but not necessarily get that chance on the stage of AFLW. I think that too for the team will will be something that we'll have to meet together and work towards to make sure everyone still feels united in the club. And one last one before we let you go. Looking ahead to the 2019 VFLW list, do you need a decent defender? Because I've been told Sash Doherty knows a good one down yeah. at Brunswick. <laughs> We're spruiking her, yeah. Excellent. You know where to find us. Yeah. <laughs> one of the best backliners I've seen in the Baffa, so... Fantastic. We always say the highway goes both ways, so anyone's going to make Train's pretty good, too. Just, just before you do go, how are you enjoying the role? Oh, I'm absolutely loving it. So I will confess, wasn't a um, big watcher of women's football before my involvement in the side and uh, you know I say that with a bit of shame but it's it's so infectious and I don't have to tell you guys that I probably um, watch a little bit less men's now and it's just it's just the um, competition it's so infectious the players are fantastic um, the competition's fantastic and it's really great to be involved and that concludes the best of women's Australian rules football on RSN Carnival for yet another week I'm Peter Holden until next time it's bye for now